Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. Have you ever asked the question, what was the secret of Esther's success? You know there are so many wonderful women all over the world who say, I wish I was Esther or I would want an Esther anointing. But are you really willing to pay the price that Esther paid? And do you really know the supernatural secret of Esther's success? It wasn't her beauty. It was a special secret that I'm about to reveal to you now from the Bible, because the Bible teaches us, beloved, stepping stones to destiny. I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and I'm so glad you joined us today. It is just going to be a tremendous program. And today, before we get started, I want to invite you to go to our very special website, mydayofdestiny.com. That's mydayofdestiny.com, where you can download all of our podcasts that we have had throughout the year of 2021 and now in 2022. And also, you can order my latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. It is just going to be a blessing today, and I'm so glad you joined us. So now, let's go to the Word of God and we are going to look today at Esther chapter 5 as we see the supernatural secret of selflessness in the word through the life of Esther. Beloved people, I want us to open our Bibles today to Esther chapter 5. And I'm going to, first of all, teach you that when we study the book of Esther, we must study the book of Esther two different ways. Number one, there is the, uh, the very apparent way of studying the text. That means that we read it just as we would read any biblical narrative. But I want you to understand, Mordecai and Esther, who are the authors of the Megillah Esther, which is the scroll of Esther, I want you to know that the scroll was written with very powerful messages that are actually inverted in the text. No, it's not some esoteric code. It's actually the Hebrew words and the words that are used which in what appears to be run-on sentences or what appears to be an excessive amount of the same use of the same word in one verse. These are literary devices that are hidden within the text that when we understand their meaning in Hebrew, we are going to really understand the supernatural secrets that God has put in his word for Esther's success. 
You see, beloved saints, first of all, I want to establish the fact that we need to get rid of the Disneyland version or the fairy tale version of the book of Esther. So let's begin tonight. And I want to, first of all, bring to you the, the, um, the understanding of standing in the places of power and in the places of prayer. Let's look at Esther chapter 5. And we are going to see the supernatural secret of the sacrifice of Esther. And we are going to learn today how to bring heaven down to earth. Can you say this with me? Bringing heaven down to earth. Let's look at the word of God. Esther chapter 5 verse 1 says, Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel. First of all, I want you to understand in the original Hebrew language, it does not say royal apparel. Let's read it through thoroughly. And then I will break up the text for you and explain to you in the language, the Hebrew language, of what is being said and what is being implied hermeneutically so that we might get the personal, powerful, prophetic message that the Holy Spirit has for us as he paves the path in the stepping stones of destiny in our own lives. The Bible says, And it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house, over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house, over against the gate of the house. Wait a minute. Four times Mordecai, who is the author of the book of Esther, is specifying house. Why does he do this? First of all, let us understand that the Megillah Esther, the scroll of Esther, was written after the death decree was actually made disannulled, even though it was still in and in the pending state, and it actually went into full fruition. God worked miracles so that the Jews were able to fight a war. And you and I must understand the only ones involved in that battle were those who were really hated the Jews. And the Bible gave them dominion and rule over them that hated them. We see divine reversal taking place. But I also want you to understand that in the Esther Megillah Esther, we see not only do we see divine reversal after divine reversal, but we see Esther and Mordecai ascend to places of destiny that in the natural, they would have never been able to get to those places, those platforms of purpose and those platforms of prominence. I want you to understand the scepter that was handed to Esther when she came forward to touch the top of the king's scepter actually means many different things in the Hebrew language. But in the lower level of its meaning, in other words, in the pshat meaning and in Hebrew, a pshat is just the literal meaning of the verse. It literally means 
uh, uh, that the text is showing us she was given authority, she was given permission to enter, but also it means that she was being extended the scepter. And when the scepter is extended to us, we need to understand it is a type and shadow of influence being extended to us. You see, the God that we serve is about ready to extend the scepter of influence to his people. But the question arises, do we really understand what the platform of prominence and what the platform of purpose is all about? Did you know that in the book of Esther, we actually see a clashing contrast between those that use the platform for self-gratification, for narcissistic reasons, for those who absolutely use their platform and their influence to control, manipulate, and even devour other human beings with no respect of life whatsoever, and use the platform for their own self-ingrandizement and their own narcissistic, vain purposes. This is demonstrated throughout the Megillah when we really observe the true personality profile of King Ahasuerus, also known in English as King Ahasuerus. And then to see the absolute epitome of diabolical ingrandizement with self, conceit, we see Haman. We see Haman who is also known, we may refer to him as Haman. All right, whatever you say, Haman or Haman, I want you to understand that Haman is actually the epitome of a human being that is filled not only with self-conceit and also diabolical pride. Now, we see these two individuals who use their platforms, who use their sphere of influence to damage other human beings, to control, to manipulate, to gain more money, such as the manufacturing of death for a price, such as the death decree that was written against the Jewish people by Haman, to actually say to the king, and King Ahasuerus goes right along with it, to say to the king, there is a certain people that is scattered abroad in thy kingdom, and they do not observe the king's laws. They are diverse from other people. Therefore, it is not in the king's profit to suffer them. What do you mean it's not in the king's profit to suffer them? He is then going to offer to the king the audacious offer that 10,000 talents of silver would be paid into the king's account for the annihilation of the Jewish people. And King Ahasuerus, without even blinking an eyelash, for the sake of profit, manufactures death and actually enforces a death decree by putting his seal and his signature 
on the death decree ordered by Haman. This is the most diabolical, absolutely exaggerated form of abuse of power that has ever been seen in the Bible. But I want you to understand, dear people of God, in the same context, in the same Megillah, we are going to see the antithesis of self-conceit. We are going to see the antithesis of self-importance, self-ingrandizement. And we are going to see two individuals that are given the scepter, the scepter of influence, that are given promotion, that are given honor, that are exalted with great exaltation. And guess what? They have the proper perception of power. And what is that? That it's not about us. And that if God entrusts us with a sphere of influence and he extends to us the golden scepter, then you know it is our responsibility, beloved saints, to use that influence just the way Esther used it and just the way Mordecai used it. Let's look at the word of God and see how the scripture brings a clashing contrast between the two. Number one, we see here in the word of God found in Esther chapter 10. Let us look at Esther chapter 10 and let us see the greatness of Mordecai. The Bible says in Esther chapter 10, looking at verse 2, and all the acts of his power and his might, speaking of King Ahasuerus, and the declaration of the greatness of Mordecai, whereunto the king advanced him. Are they not all written in the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was great among the Jews and accepted among the multitude of his brethren. Watch this. Seeking the wealth of his people. Not seeking his own wealth. Not seeking his own position. Not seeking his own platform. Not seeking his own greatness. But realizing God has given me this position. God has given me this platform, and it's not about me. It's not about me using my platform to have an opportunity to, quote, unquote, place my preferences, what I want, what I think needs to go forward, or for anything that's going to make me great in the eyes of the people. No, Mordecai had one objective, and that was to seek the benefit of Israel to use the platform that God had given him as a sphere of influence to be sure God's people were protected, to be sure God's people had everything that they needed. God appointed him in this position of power in a wicked, wicked empire, in a wicked empire ruled by wicked decrees. Here we see the Bible says, looking at the word of God, the Bible says, and Mordecai the Jew was next to King Ahasuerus, 
and was great among the Jews and accepted among the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people, and watch this, and speaking shalom, seeking, speaking prosperity to all of his seed. Beloved saints, I want you to understand that Mordecai understood that this sphere of influence, this power, this scepter, this rulership, this place, this position was given to me so I can be a blessing for someone else. And we also see Esther. Oh my goodness. One of the tragedies that happens when God exalts us is when someone has not been trained in their character to know they have nothing to do with it. The moment we start touching the glory, the moment we think we are something, the moment we think, oh, wow, I won being queen because of my beauty, or I won being queen because the king loved me above all the women. No, you do not see a trace, not even a drop, not even a molecule, not even an atom of vanity in Esther. Esther, who was also Hadassah, she stayed Hadassah in her heart. Do you want to know one of the greatest character traits that makes Esther one of the most influential women that ever lived on this planet, it was her humility. It was the fact that she was so wise that she built a security system in her own life. What kind of security system? A security system and a fence that she would not fall into pride. Do you know why? Because look at the text. The text is teaching us in Esther chapter 2, verse 20, after she's queen, after she's already crowned, crowned queen of Persia, the Bible says in verse 20, Esther had not showed her kindred nor her people as Mordecai had charged her. Watch this. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai like as when she was brought up by him. Do you realize this is in the Bible, not so we know it happened? This is in the Bible, not just so we, wow, we get a nice little personality profile of Hadassah. No, this is in the Bible because the book of Esther is our document for destiny. It brings to us the decree of destiny in our life. The king wants to extend his scepter of influence to you. He wants you to be able to arise to that place that he can use you so mightily because he hath need of you. He wants to use you. He desires to use you. But guess what? There are very few that God can trust that will never trust in themselves and never trust in their own gifts, never trust in their own talents, 
and to be like Esther, who doesn't even, in the slightest way, trust in anything outward, trust in her position, trust in her title, trust in the fact that the king chose her. No, she is going to completely abandon herself completely to God and know that it's God that's going to give her favor. Know that it's God that's going to open the door. Know that it's God who's going to give her a plan that it's not based on her looks to save the people of Israel. She is not a stoop. You see, some of us who become so involved in self-engrandizement actually think we had something to do with it. She knew she had nothing to do with it, and she was trained all of her life by Mordecai who raised her. Child, it's not you, it's God. And so let us look just for a moment at the greatness of Esther and what Esther chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 really means. Let's look at that in the Word of God. Going to Esther chapter 5, and we will do this very quickly, the Bible says, and it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on royal apparel and stood in the inner house. We just read that over against the king's house and the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house over against the house and uh, the gate stood against the gate over against the house. Wait a minute. Why is Mordecai mentioning the house four times? And then he also inserts gate. Doesn't the gate seem a bit irrelevant? Does it really matter that Esther was near the gate? And the answer to that is yes, it does. It's not just to give us a geographical location where Esther was. Let's continue in the context and see key words that appear to be temple words. They appear to be that Esther was not just in the inner court of the king's house, King Ahasuerus's court. But the Bible is teaching us by this superfluous excess in the word house that Esther is actually in the presence of God, that Esther is in the inner court. She's in the Holy of Holies. And what does it mean that she's near the king's gate? We understand in the book of Ezekiel in the 43rd chapter that Ezekiel saw the glory of God coming into the house. And the Bible says in verse 4, he saw the glory of God enter into the house through the gate whose prospect is toward the east. So we are understanding that Mordecai, when he's writing this, is telling us the spiritual significance of the gate and the spiritual significance of the house is that Esther was standing in the presence of Almighty God and that it was through her previous action of laying her life down unto the death that brought the glory of God into the very request She's about to ask the king. And before she presents her request, she's got a plan. A plan, beloved saints, that is the most incredible plan that within three days, Haman is going to be dead. Now, beloved saints, I want you to see, let's continue in the context. 
and let's look for temple language. Knowing in verse 2, the Bible says, and it was so that when the king saw Esther the queen, notice in the book of Esther, when you see Esther referred to as Esther, this has one significant meaning, meaning that the text is referring to Esther either before she became queen or after she became queen. But when the text isolates the title, Esther, the queen, it is only in specific junctures and nuances that we see the title, Esther, the queen, being used. And this is to demonstrate, A, she's going to be operating in the anointing uh, that God had ordained for King Saul. She is his descendant. And she's going to finish what he forfeited. By the annihilation of Haman, who is of the seed of Agag, the Amalekite. And we are going to see that Esther, the queen, when it is used as her title, is showing us Esther in her highest dimension of destiny, the greatest exaltation of destiny in her life. But when it uses Esther, it's just referring to Esther. Now, beloved saints, I want you to see when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, the Bible says that the king extended, he stretched out his scepter that was in his hand. And the Bible says, Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Here we have, again, continuous temple language. In particular, I want to bring to your attention the fact that Esther drew near. This word, this verb, to draw near. In Hebrew is the verb karav. And this word karav is extremely important to draw near because every Hebrew word has a concept behind it. And the concept to draw near is actually related to another Hebrew word. And this Hebrew word that is related to this word karab, to draw near. This concept of drawing near is actually the root of another word. And that is the word korban. Can you say that with me? Korban. A korban is a sacrifice. A korban is a sacrifice that was usually annihilated or offered to God in the temple. Now, I want you to understand that the Bible is showing us something. When there was a korban, the purpose of korbanot, offering them in the temple, was so that the person would draw near to God, but also that heaven would draw near to them. It was a way of bringing heaven down to earth. For example, 
In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1, the Bible tells us that after Solomon offered the sacrifices, the Bible says the fire fell from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings. And the Bible says, and the glory of the Lord filled the house, and the house was filled with the glory of the Lord, and the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. Now, beloved saints, what is the Bible telling us about Esther? The Bible is telling us that there was a sacrifice. But what kind of sacrifice? The sacrifice, beloved saints, is found in Esther chapter 4, verse 16. When Esther makes the commitment, when Esther says yes, when Esther lays her crown on the altar and has completely detached herself from the title, from the position, from ever being special in the eyes of the king, because this is a death decree that could actually happen to her. She could actually lose her life for disobeying the law and for breaking protocol. The last queen who broke protocol, who did not respond when the king called, ended up dead. So it's no joke when we are talking about that the execution orders or the decrees written in the media Persian empire that could kill an individual if they did not comply with the decree. And so we see Esther made the decision. The decision was she was going to lay her life down for her people. And the question arises, which queen is she? Is she the queen of Persia? Or is she the queen, the descendant of King Saul, who was born and put on this earth to destroy Amalek and to bring down the enemy of the Jews to finish what Saul forfeited? And the answer to that is, Esther made her decision. She separated herself from the earthly crown and accepted her identity and her solidarity with her people and considered herself a korban, an offering to God that whatever God wants to do, avadati, avadati, if I perish, I perish. And you see, in Esther, we see the secret of the platform. In Esther, we see why God releases influence. In Esther, we see what she did with the scepter of influence given to her. When she touched the top of the scepter, the king said, whatever it is you want up to half of my kingdom, it shall be given to you. She used that influence, not for herself, not for what she wanted, not for saying, okay, king, there's a great decree out. And I just want you to know, promise me that you will protect me and uh, my family and just be sure that no one gets executed in the execution order and we'll be fine. No, Esther had not an ounce of selflessness, vanity, pride, or anything. 
She realized, God, you gave me this platform. You called me to be queen of Persia. You gave me this miraculous moment with destiny. You allowed me to be chosen to be queen of Persia for this moment. And I will not seize this crown for myself. I will not use it for my own self-aggrandizement. I will not use it to save my life. I will not use it to make myself great. I'm going to use it to make others live. I'm going to use the influence you gave me so that others will be spared the secret of selflessness in the life of Esther. Shall we pray, beloved? Heavenly Father, today we praise you, we bless you for the sphere of influence that you are giving your people at this hour. Let us make some cognitive assessments as we enter in further to 2022 and as we come into those miraculous moments with destiny, as we prepare for this incredible biblical feast of Purim coming up in the near future. God, I pray that there will be men and women of God who are so selfless that will do only the will of God, lay their own selves aside, that will not seek popularity, that will not seek fame, that will not seek fortune, that will not use their sphere of influence to make themselves rich, to make their own little agenda known, but God, that your name will be glorified, that your purpose will be exalted, and that whatever sphere of influence you give us, we are going to use it for someone else. Oh, beloved, we have had great leaders in our nation, great leaders that we have known that have ascended to heights of great purpose and prominence. The one I'm remembering right now is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., how he used his influence to better the lives of others. You too can do the same thing. You can be a champion for God and let God use you for his honor and for his glory. Amen and amen. Beloved, if you have joined us today, I invite you to sow seed into this ministry. And you can do that, beloved, by going to our website at breathofthespirit.org. That's breathofthespirit.org. And you can push the donate button and the PayPal platform will come available just for you. And if you would like rather to text to give, you can actually text this number, 77977, and text it to Hesed, C-H-E-S-E-D. That is text to give at 77977 to Hesed, C-H-E-S-E-D. I'm so glad you joined us today. We love you, God bless you, and we'll see you very soon. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. 
we invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.